Hey everyone, and welcome to the Parenting for a Change podcast. My name is Matt Densky. I'm a pastor at Fellowship Greenville, and I'm sitting here with fellow pastor Rob Marks. And you are actually joining us for our very first episode of this podcast, where we are going to jump into an overview of what it looks like and sounds like to disciple your child. And then flowing out of that, we will have five follow-up episodes where we go into more detail about this overview. Hope you enjoy. Let's get to the content. Rob Marks, what's up, man? Let's go down this road. All right. So um, my name is Rob Marks. I serve as executive pastor here, and I am with Matt Densky. Yes. And yes. Matt, your role here is what? I'm the student ministry pastor here at Fellowship Greenville. Started in 2016, so I'm coming up on five years here. Nice, nice. So you and I have had this, we've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. About doing this very podcast, and now here we are. We're doing it. And so... Let's talk about for a second what is what was the kind of the motivation? Like what was our thought process and why we wanted to do this podcast? Because this isn't necessarily comfortable for us. No, I, I I would say in a studio with a camera on me, microphone in front of me is not <laughs> my forte. Not, thing, not yeah. my forte. But it does come out of a passion you and I have talked about. So this year is is my sixteenth year in student ministry, in the world of student ministry. Uh, and that in student ministry terms is Ancient, yeah. as a grandfather of grandfathers. Yeah. Um, in the student ministry world, you're getting old. Yeah. Usually, student pastors, it's it's about um, six to eighteen months or so. That's the average stay for a student pastor in one place, and they don't stay in student ministry very long for a variety of reasons. So I've, I've been in it for a while, and over that course of time, what's been really neat is God has evolved how I look at student ministry, how I approach student ministry. And um, really, this this came, uh, I would say, about eight years ago. My philosophy of student ministry was go really, really hard after students. Mm-hmm. Just dump all your time, spend all your time, right. crank after students. And I, I just felt the Spirit kind of poke me on the shoulder and say, why do you think that you can do a better job influencing the students than the person I've actually designed to influence the students. Which is the Which would be the parents. parents. right? And it was kind of this radical thought. I know it seems simple when you put it out like that, but it was a radical thought for me at the time. Uh, on the best year possible, like if you do the math, on the best year possible, if a student came to every single event, every single thing we did, every retreat, every worship night, everything, right. I would have proximity time of about 50 to 60 hours. Yeah, That's not even quality time. That's just we're in the same proximity. Right. And the average year a parent would have over 3,000 hours with that same student. Right. So, yeah, so parents are uniquely positioned. Yes. So so God just started to convict me that student pastors are not the primary disciplers of students. Parents are. And we supplement, we partner with, we help and aid in that journey, but I'm not the primary discipler. Right. So about eight years ago, this, this really started to sink deep in my heart, and I started to rethink student ministry and view it more as a partnership with parents towards right. students. And since that time, just kind of deep diving into adolescent culture as a whole and studying the nuances and the psychology behind so that I can then better resource and equip and talk to parents about what's going on in the evolution of adolescence. And that is a pretty wild roller coaster, as you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously five, six years ago when we brought you on staff here, that was perfect because that's where our heart was Mm -hmm. with uh, our approach to next-gen ministry. And so when I look at that, I go, okay— so this this is my thought on this is, and we were just talking about this a few minutes ago. If I have a problem, a plumbing or electrical problem, 
I can go on YouTube and I can search it out or I can go on Google, I can search out the solution. I do this all the time with car repairs. I can go on YouTube or I can go on Google and I can search out the solution to that. And they can almost show me step-by-step step yeah. how to solve that problem. But parenting is different. Like I, I know you can probably Google solutions to parenting problems. I'm not sure that I would necessarily trust the solution Absolutely. to those problems. If you see a video on YouTube of a guy replacing a light fixture and it works, I mean, there's no questioning that. Right, right. You see on YouTube a parent responding to a child in a certain scenario and all of a sudden the kid's like, oh, thanks, Dad. Like, you're going to think, <laughs> oh, this is the cheesiest, most right. fake produced thing I, I'm seeing because it's just not, yeah, it's not a, as easy as connect these wires and everything's fine. Exactly. So a part of this podcast was looking at it and saying, okay, I don't want parents Googling solutions. Mm -hmm. And as a parent myself, so so I'm in my mid-50s. I have five kids from ranging from 16 to 24, so I'm further down the road than you are. But And I would have loved to have yeah. a resource that I could go to. Way, way further down way the road, further down the road than, than you are. I would have loved to have a resource that I could go to that was trusted that I could say, man, I help me understand this or help me come up with a solution to this. And so I think we looked at it and went, I'm I'm in a, in a second stage generation here of parenting. I'm getting closer to my parenting ending. I was a children's pastor, so I have some perspective. You have this extensive experience in student ministry, and now you're a parent. I am of three, three of kids. three, three yeah. young young kids. And so, what if we combine our experiences? Yeah, and that's the that's the hope. Yeah, is the marriage of our experiences could produce maybe something of quality or something helpful at least to parents. And and I think the conviction behind it is like, you, you're a dad of five. Right now I'm a father of three. And uh, taking some permanent measures to make sure it stays that way on my end. <laughs> I think I'm in deep water right now, man. So you, you, you're braver than I. But we both sense in different ways, like parenting cannot be a solo journey right. or, or even with your spouse. It has to be a communal effort. And for those who are following the ways of Jesus and would and would look at the teachings of Jesus and the methods and rhythms of the life of Jesus as kind of a plumb line of how they want to live their lives, well, there's there's really no Jesus wasn't a parent yeah. like like we are. And so you can search through the gospels and, and kind of come up with a this conclusion of like, how do I do this? Yeah. And, and so, and I see that all the time as I walk with parents of just kind of this desperate, I don't know how to keep up. I don't know what to do. I don't know who this kid is. Like, right. what, what is going on? And so that's where I think the people of God, and it's not like the word of God is absent. There's tons of stuff in there. But, but the people of God through their experience as parents or leaders of the next generation or whatever can come alongside and team up and, and try to walk with each other. And yeah. this, this is not a, hey, we have all the answers. This yeah. is a, your, your uh, children's ministry background, your father of five, I'm student ministry background, father of three, yeah. three uh, toddlers to infant, and your young adult to high school. And yeah. so and so, and I feel like our expertise and our experiences are overlapping in a really good sweet spot yeah. that we may be able to speak into yeah. right now. That's so, the hope. So yeah. disclaimer, we know we haven't gotten everything right. Um, but you learn from your mistakes. And so ho hopefully we can pass some things on in this podcast. And so that's the goal. That's what the focus of the podcast is going to be, is is parenting uh, for a change, meaning, hey, how do we change ourselves as parents? But how do we parent our kids so that they 
change as well. And so that's that's the goal of it. So let's jump into, we're going to kind of do an introduction here on what's going to really open the door for a five-episode series mm-hmm. uh, for this podcast. And so let me set this up a little bit because okay, th- this is kind of how this thing came about. So you and I were sitting in a meeting talking about some training or some, uh, some something that's going to happen coming up uh, later on in the year where we're going to cast some vision. Mm-hmm. And I threw out this idea that I just kind of threw it out. I said, hey, we were talking about parenting, and I said, I've always had it in my mind that I want to write this book, yeah. and which you got very intrigued by. Because <laughs> yes. I, too, have a book in mind, but I, it's, not yes, the same, it's not the yeah. same. Book. And so <clears throat> you you asked me about it, and so I started describing this book that I wanted to write. And, and it actually is kind of an interesting scenario here because as I started writing it, or I started talking about writing this book, you automatically started, I don't know, God gave you some ideas, and you threw out some things that I think go along with this, and that's what's going to ultimately mm-hmm. make up our, our next couple of episodes. So here, here's the premise of that, and it's this. I've talked to parents and uh, particularly dads over yes. the years who, because just like you said earlier, like we've been pushing on them to say, hey, you're the primary nurturer of your kid's faith. Like yes. you're the primary discipler as the parent. And I've talked to guys mainly, but some ladies too, moms, who'd say, I don't think I know how to disciple mm-hmm. my kids. I just don't know what that looks mm-hmm. like. And it hit me one day that I don't know that that's necessarily true. And the example I had was, it's a sports example. Mm-hmm. So what I realized when I looked at families is, particularly dads, they actually do know how to disciple their kids. Maybe not in faith, but they do in sports. And so I started having these conversations with dad where I'm saying, hey, you do know how to disciple your kids because you are a Clemson fan. And somehow miraculously, if you go into families, you you get this dad who's a big Clemson fan or a Gamecock fan. And uh, now all of a sudden their kids grow up and they're Clemson or Gamecock yeah. fans. Yeah, or, or at the very least a football fan. Like it, there, there's something there totally. that got passed on. That, that's exactly right. So in my family, we're Ohio State Buckeye fans because that's where we're from is from Ohio. And mm-hmm. it's miraculous. It's yeah. weird. My kids are all Ohio State mm-hmm. Buckeye fans. And so the idea was, hey, in that sense, you are discipling your children, maybe not yeah. in faith, but in this passion for this sport or this sports team. So yeah. the premise of the book was going to be, and I was going to call it, Passing on faith. There's a play of words there. Uh, Yes. Yeah, nice. There's some playing on words there of of going, what if, this is my premise, what if discipling your kids in faith has some of the same elements of discipling them to be a Clemson fan Mm -hmm. or a Gamecock Mm -hmm. fan or an Ohio State Buckeyes fan? Yeah. And we were talking about this in this meeting, and I don't know, tell me where that came from because I felt like it was out of nowhere. You, You immediately went, well, I've got five things that I feel like go right mm-hmm. along with that. Yeah, so so let me first give just a little disclaimer. If if we've got parents listening right now and you're sitting there thinking, dude, I don't know sports, I don't care about sports, I don't play sports, disclaimer, uh, the joke in on my team and the joke and sometimes between Rob and I is, is how very little I care about sports myself. Uh, I grew up playing sports, and then when I got yeah. in college, I just don't care. I don't right. watch them, I don't keep up with them. So disclaimer is you don't have to be an expert in sports. You don't have to be a fan of a team or whatever, but the the principles are still very graspable, very palatable. So please 
don't sit there and be like, oh, it's about sports. I don't yeah. know sports. And this is not just for dads and sports, moms, no. you too. Like, yeah, we just thought, oh, this is a really cultural thing that's easy to understand. So yeah. there's there's your disclaimer. Right. So for you, I would say this. I've, I've been around you and your family enough, and you have a passion for the outdoors. Like you mm-hmm. love to be outside. You love to camp. You love to hike. You love to do all yep. those things. And uh, I would guess yep. that your kids are developing some of those same passions. Yeah. I took Trent, my oldest, on on uh, our first like overnight in the mountains when he was five. He turned five last November. We went on that, and uh, we did some backyard stuff before that. The kids and I, we have picnics outside um, all the time, like for dinners and stuff like that. And, yeah, I mean, it's just for us, that's where we love to be. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. So it's not necessarily a sports no, only no, no. analogy. No, it's just – that was an easy one to grab, but but here's where it came out of in, in that meeting. So so let's let's talk for a minute about big picture. So I'm going to rely here on a lot of my student ministry experience. Right. Let's talk about the crisis of discipleship right now. Let's talk about uh, maybe like the patterns we're seeing within the local church. So there's a myth that kind of floats around. There's two myths that float around parents. Uh, in my experience of walking with parents in student ministry, one myth is. My child will develop a deeper walk with Jesus simply because we go to church. Right. Or simply because maybe I believe in Jesus, and therefore their faith is going to be really deep as well. And the reality is it's just not true whatsoever. The other myth that circulates among parents within American Christianity especially is I don't know how to disciple. And Mm -hmm. as you were saying in a few minutes ago, Rob, that's not true either. You you do, but I think the word disciple or how do I disciple my child or what is discipleship, that is such a scary word. Right. Because it has all these theological connotations and baggage and whatever else that people just dismiss it as, oh, yeah. you gotta have a seminary degree, you gotta be a pastor, you gotta work in a church to know how to do that. And and that's not true. Mm. And so I think we can interchange the word disciple with influence mm-hmm. or develop. Sure. Within the spiritual lens, right. like something like that. Um, but the first myth, my child will believe in Jesus simply because I bring them to church, is yeah. not true. Right. And and so my generation, the millennial generation, uh, by and large, have walked away from institutionalized mm-hmm. religion. We, we th- A lot of us don't want anything to do with church, with mm-hmm. Jesus. In fact, we're called the generation of nuns, N-O-N-E, not N-U-N, mm-hmm. uh, that's a different kind of yeah. but the, the, <laughs> that, that the N O N E is is like you know if you ask them hey what do you believe it, it's it's none it, it's there's yeah. nothing I, I don't believe anything and I have conversations with people my age pretty regularly uh, and and this holds true it's like ah, I don't know man I I, I grew up in the church mm-hmm. oh, man I got jaded I, I and a lot of that had to do with I didn't see any difference in my family yeah from Sunday to Saturday. What we did on Sunday affected nothing Mm -hmm. in terms of what our family looked like throughout the week, in terms of how my parents uh, defined their marriage or practiced faithfulness to one another. Uh, It didn't seem to affect how they parented. Mm -hmm. They still seemed, my dad still seemed distant and angry Mm -hmm. and vulnerability and emotions weren't allowed in my home. And, but then Sunday comes and all of a sudden it's like put on our best clothes and our best faces. And, and the taste in our mouth was, this isn't, Sure. True. It's it's fake. Like we are faking our lives to be at this building. Do, and, and do you feel like that that idea that you just hit on had to have shaped your conclusion that you came to to in student ministry, where you're going? Hey, like I only spend a certain amount of time. Yeah, like I absolutely. know I did, I know I did it with, in children's ministry, where you realize 
at some level, and when I, I'm, I'm not throwing people under the bus. Like I'm that mm-hmm. parent too. We're undoing at home mm-hmm. all the stuff they learned in 45 minutes to an yep. hour on the one Sunday at church they happened to come. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I think what happened with me is I had been in student ministry long enough to see the turnover rate. So in yeah. other words— like I, I, in 2005, when I stepped into the world of student ministry, um, and then since then, I, I had been in it long enough by 2012 right. to start to see students that I had poured a ton of time right. into no longer walking with mm-hmm. Jesus. And that was a hard pill to swallow. And I think I had to realize, dude, I think up until this point, I just assumed like, ah, parents... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, so, you don't really know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you don't know how to relate to your kid. You don't know how to, you know, yeah. uh, hear them for what they want to say or, or value their values or whatever. And those were assumptions I had made that that I now understand are, are just that, assumptions. Yeah. They, they didn't have merit to them. But when students that I had poured into for years began to walk away from their faith, that's when something clicked. Oh, maybe it's not the fault of parents like as in they're not doing a good job. Right, right. I think some parents are doing the best job they can possibly be doing and students are still walking, walking away, from away from their faith. It. And so there was something that got stirred up in me. It can't depend on the youth pastor. Right. It can't just depend on making events happen in a student ministry. If students come and they find, you know, rhythms in our ministry and, yep. and they come often and they have a good time, oh, that's going to create a lasting faith. It doesn't. It yeah. just doesn't. And so there's tons of research to back this up as well. A group called Barna Research Group does a lot of uh, specific statistical studies within the church world. Yeah. And um, in, in 2009, a, a book uh, came out uh, by Barna Research Group uh, called, I think that one was uh, You Lost Me mm-hmm. in 09. And then in 2016, another book came out uh, about millennials specifically. I may be getting the years mixed up here. Yeah. But then in 2019, Barner released another book yeah. called Faith for Exiles. Mm-hmm. And Faith for Exiles was about the students who maintained their faith. Mm-hmm. And they really wanted to do a study on like, why did you have a resilient faith, faith. when so many of your demographics, so many of your generation didn't? Mm-hmm. And they concluded five specific things. It was yeah. really interesting. But as of 2019, the most up-to-date statistic we have is that by the age of 30, 66% of students raised in Christian homes, mm-hmm. gone to church throughout their adolescent years, will walk away from their faith by the age of 30. Mm-hmm. That's roughly three out of every five students. Yeah. And I know, because I've talked to parents about this, and the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, well, not mine. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. mine. And I'm t- these are raised in Christian homes, yeah, yeah. go to church, no. in the youth group, all the activities, and they walk away. Yeah, so there, there has to be parents that are listening to that that they go— so where, where's my hope? Yeah, then, yeah, right? yeah. Like, but, I, I mean, if I if I've done all that, then so so if we're gonna correct the problem, we have to be honest about uh, the lie we've believed. The lie again, that myth is if I bring my to kid to church, by default, mm-hmm. that will create a long lasting and sustaining right. faith. So, am I an advocate of like, well, don't bring him to church? No, 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 no. That's right. not what I'm saying at all. I, I think church is is absolutely necessary. But what I think is even more necessary is a genuine faith lived out within the context of home because passion is more often caught, Caught. not taught, and and you cannot outsource a spiritual development of your child Mm. to, quote, professional pastors or youth pastors. Can they help and supplement? Yes, that's where the partnership comes in. Mm -hmm. So what we like to say to parents is you see your child through every phase of life Mm -hmm. from birth through 18. You see your child through every phase of 
of young adult life. And so you're the expert on your, your particular child. Yeah. child. However, we see every child through this one phase of life, mm-hmm. specifically middle school and high school, we see them through that one phase. And so we are the experts on this phase mm-hmm. in terms of what adolescents are thinking and doing, what are their motives, actions, evolution, nuances, those type of things. So what if we could partner with our expertise on this particular phase mm-hmm. and your expertise on your particular child? What if we could partner up? And so one of the things we've discovered over the years in doing that is a lot of parents have bought into that second myth, which is I don't know how to disciple my kid. Right. And I do call that a myth because you do. Right. I think it's just the wording that you – the word disciple is so intimidating that a lot of parents are like, I don't know what to do with that. And yeah. mostly because if we're really honest – and we've got to do a lot of backstory here, mm-hmm. uh, which we won't do in this episode. But we have to look at the American church as a whole mm. and understand – that in, in terms of like what the scripture seems to talk about when it when it comes to belief in Jesus, yeah. faith and growth in Jesus, discipling others in the name of Jesus, the American church as a whole doesn't do exceedingly well. Yeah. Other countries do this far better than us. And so typically the, the metrics of success in the American church are size. Mm-hmm. So we focus on numbers. Uh, we focus on... Um, money, like how, how much is coming in, how, right. how, how much are we growing, and we focus on events, how busy are we keeping mm-hmm. our people. I've been in churches where this philosophy was told to me behind the scenes, like yeah, yeah. this is what we're about. Do more, create more events, yeah. get more people in the doors. And I would always poke that bear and kind of ask, but how does this disciple people? Right. Because attendance doesn't necessarily equal repentance. And and so just because we have them here doesn't mean they're actually being changed. Is yeah. is this the way to go about it? And, and so we have to start thinking about, well, what are the metrics of discipling? Yeah. So I'm going to back up and go to the, you said it um, a little bit ago, it's parents don't think they don't know. It's the myth that they don't think they know how to disciple their kids. And we're saying, but you you do know how to disciple you your kids. Yeah. You, you, just, you just don't realize it. And so what I want to do is, like talk about these next five. We're not going to go into depth because those are going to be the yeah. episodes, right? But I, I yeah. want to give us a, a, a quick flyby on them because here's what I think that parents are going to discover as we talk about these things. Not only can they do these things, in some senses they are already doing yeah, these absolutely. in other aspects of their life. And I think even as we go through them and we just start talking real briefly about them, they'll almost be like, oh, 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 I, I see what you're saying in the context of the of the sports discipleship, yeah. you know, example. Yeah. And then later what we'll do in all the episodes is we'll dig into each one of them deeper and talk about, well, hey, this is what you do to disciple your kids to be a, yeah. or influence your kids to be a Clemson fan. So what does that look like to do the same thing with faith? That's that's yeah. what we're ultimately going to get to. So this right? goes back to our meeting where you had the idea for your book, your best-selling book, New York bestseller. <laughs> New York bestseller, for and, sure. And I just kind of had some, some uh, ideas about the structure of, of it. But, but the bottom line of your book that I really... Loved. I, I love that we're talking You're about. You're going to be the first person to buy it. Yeah. Um, the bottom line of your book is you you can't pass what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And so, like in, in many ways, there there we're hoping that it's not disguised. We want to challenge ourselves yeah. and anyone listening, parents listening, with the idea that if you do not have a deep faith in Jesus, you can't pass on right. a deep faith in Jesus. Now, your child might pick it up from someone else. Mm-hmm. But you can't pass what you don't have, and and that's really the premise of your book. So there is this challenge of personal growth, sure, 
and then learning how to pass on that passion. Yeah. And so in terms of sports analogy, this is where my expertise in the sports field, wink, wink, really, really <laughs> came in strong. So I was thinking through like, well, you know, in a, in a family that is just loves football, we'll yeah. go with the football theme, right? A diehard football family, your Ohio State Buckeye fans uh, slash Michigan fans. And um, just kidding. And um, and so I, I thought through, I bet the, the, the average parent, like mm-hmm. the average parent who is, let's go with you, is a Buckeyes fan. You wear red and white and you collect Buckeyes in your pocket, all those type of things, yeah, right? It's scarlet and gray. But yeah, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so the average parent, when they have a child, when, when you know, if God blesses them with a, a child or multiple yep. children, I would be willing to bet that that parent doesn't sit and think to themselves, ah, they're probably just way too young to even comprehend anything that this is about. Right. So you know what I'll do? Anytime a game comes on, I'm going to take them to a different room or I'm going to get a babysitter yeah. and let someone else watch them during this time. Right. Or I'm going to wait until they're like, eight or nine, maybe even 10, before I start to introduce them to the concepts of football. Yeah. That would be absurd. Like you you would be betraying your team in a sense, yeah. right? So so fans of a football team are going to have this principle. This is the first principle that we're, that we're talking about yeah. when it comes to discipling your child or influencing your child is to start them young. Okay. So the first one is now— Number one, I, right. start them young. So here I'm going to— I know how you are. Like, you're going to start digging into this thing, and you're going to eat into our well, next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I won't. I won't. But but that's the idea. Start them young. Like, yeah. it's amazing when it comes to discipleship. I, so many parents are like, right. I, I, don't, I don't have a seminary degree. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, they're so young. How do I talk to them about— Sure. Again, passion is caught, not taught. Right. And so many parents kind of wait until they're, quote, old enough to get it before yeah. they even start it. And I, and I would just say, no, 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 start them young. And if you're a parent listening, you're like, oh, well, great. All my kids are 13 and older. Right. I, then I would say, look, the principle for you is start start them now. Now, right? Yeah. So if you can't start young, start them now. Yeah, just start where you're at. Okay, so, and we'll talk more about this. That happens. We, we already do that. We start them young as Buckeye fans. My, yeah. We started young. So we'll talk about what that looks like for, for faith. What was number two? Number two is normalize it in the home. Okay, so... Talk about this in the context of the sports analogy a little bit. Yeah, so it, it's it's not an embarrassing thing in your home to be a Buckeyes fan, right? Like if you went to the t- to, to the to the store and you had a Buckeyes T shirt on, you wouldn't be like, "Oh gosh, people are going to know I'm a Buckeyes right. fan." <laughs> I mean, like no, you wear it, it proud, right? It would be normalized. You you would have, um, you know, maybe like a. A Buckeyes football mm-hmm. in your home, or or some like sports memorabilia, or a sure. jersey somewhere, or um, when the game comes on, you would turn it on. You, right. you would watch the game. It would be normal. Like you, you, you would have a very normal approach. In many ways, a mundane approach mm-hmm. to the to the football games it, because that's how normal it would be. Right. But when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to church, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to things about Jesus, we put them in this whole other category yeah. of like, again, oh, I don't have the training. I don't have the words. I don't right. know what to do. And it's like, no, just make it normal. Sure. And I, w- I could say this to somebody out there who's listening to this Cle- Clemson fan or a South Carolina fan or whatever. They would say like, no, we are Clemson yeah. fans or we are South Carolina fan, Gamecock fans. And so that's what it would look like when, again, we'll get into this later. How do you normalize it in your home so that 
being something, someone of faith who follows Jesus is normalized. It's who you are. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. So go to number three. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to plant little seeds here because I yeah. want people to listen to the, the next couple of episodes. So what's, the, what's number three? Number three is pass on your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, similar, like think football. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting there on your couch with your child and you're watching a game, and both teams walk out to the 50-yard line, and the yeah. ref flips a coin, and then it falls on the ground, and then one team seems to celebrate, and right. the other doesn't, you're not going to, in your mind, in that moment, reason, well, my kid's not old enough to understand a coin flip. I'm not even going right. to try to talk. You, you'd probably try to break it down somehow, like, sure. oh, they just decided which team got the ball first. Right. I mean, right. Yeah, like, you're, so you're helping them understand the game. Like, even when we talked about this before, uh, instilling knowledge about – who players are and, yeah. and the history, like, yeah. hey, here's here's how many times the Buckeyes have won a championship. Like, all those things are go into this idea of passing on knowledge or instilling knowledge, Yeah, again, right? like, you're not going to wait till your kid is 13 before you explain, well, this team has four downs right. to try to advance <laughs> the ball forward. Right. Like, no, you, they're going to pick that up over time because you're going to trickle in knowledge. Yeah. Now, you may distill it for their age because they may not understand, you know, what an offsides is or, right. or whatever, but you're going to pass on what you yeah. know in ways that they can get. And I would argue even for pe- people who are sports people, when they get somebody in their midst that's not a sport person, mm-hmm. they naturally do this. They yeah. naturally start – they even pick up when somebody doesn't understand what's going on and they start instilling knowledge. So we've got start them young, mm-hmm. normalize it in your home, pass on knowledge. Mm-hmm. What's number four? Four would be invite the experience. Okay. So, again, like if you're, if you're a fan of a team – and a lot of sports teams are really superstitious, right? So you, you put on your jersey, right, you've got right, your right, socks right. on inside out because that's going to help your whatever team win. Is, you yeah. haven't washed them, them all season <laughs> or whatever. But you're not going to tell your kid like, hey, it's on Channel 10. Go ahead and watch it in your right. room. No, you're going to try to create a family experience around that. You're going to have snacks. You're going to have the finger foods. You're going to yep. order pizza. You're, you're, you're all going to be around the TV in the family room. It's a big deal. You're inviting the experience. You're yeah. trying to invite them into what you love about it. And sometimes even take them to the game. Right, right. Like you, you wouldn't, you know, you, imagine your kid's 10 years old. You buy tickets for everyone in the family and your kid's like, oh, we're going to the game. And yeah, like, yeah. oh, except you, buddy, I've got you a babysitter. Yeah, because you're- You can you're, watch this on TV. <laughs> like, no, man, you'd want them there. Yeah, yeah. How many, I wonder how many, uh, you know, Baltimore Ravens onesies got bought, you know, when yeah. when people are have little kids. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. Invite- them in the experience. So the, what is number five then? Five is participatory passion. Love that. Yeah. And and so I, I know that's a little bit of a tongue uh, twister there, participatory passion. But really like what this is, is you're passionate about something. And it, it's, it's a cousin to number four. You want to invite them into the experience, but you're also, you're allowing your passion to become contagious. Right. So... This happens a lot of times by default. Again, mm-hmm. passion is caught, caught not right. taught. But but you're inviting them into the lifestyle of being a fan. You're inviting them into what you love about it. You're sharing. It's yeah. not just, hey, come watch the game with me. It's you're talking about the game afterwards. You're breaking down player stats. You, you, oh, you're talking about the emotions of, right. oh, man, when he missed that yeah, field yeah. goal. Like you, you are you're inviting them to participate in the feelings and practice right. of your emotions. Yeah. In, in my house, we relive old games. Yeah. Like we go back and go, you remember last year when this happened and that? We sat and watched that game. You remember how yeah. Aunt Debbie went crazy? It's like that. that's what it sounds like for and, us. Like we're all in on it. And here's right? where it gets really good. When you sign them up for like sports leagues. Right. And you teach them how to throw a spiral. And and all of a sudden, 
you're not just talking to them about theories and what the rules are. Yeah. You're actually they're learning experientially through participating in something that you're passionate about it right. and you're trickling your passion. Yeah, and and this is, you know, the example that I'd have for me is like I when I was growing up, this tells you how old I was. We we didn't have soccer. Like I, it existed, mm-hmm. but we didn't have it in my little hometown because nobody played it at that point. And so basketball was what I grew up on and that's what I played. So pretty much all my kids who are athletic that want to play sports have all played basketball because they didn't play soccer because I didn't play soccer yeah. and I didn't play baseball. So they didn't Now we we like to watch it, but my kids never did that. Yeah. It, it, basketball is what I passed on to them because it was the thing that I was passionate about. Okay, so mm-hmm. so here we are. Look, we're going to wrap this episode up because yeah. it's kind of our introductory episode. So you've heard kind of the, the five things. There's start them young, normalize them in your home, instill knowledge, um, invite experience, and participatory passion. That's what we're going to dig into in the next coming episodes because, again, what we believe is that parents are the primary nurturer of, the kid, of their kid's faith. They actually do know how to disciple their kids or influence yes. their kids. Yes. And what we're going to do is we're going to break those down, see what that looks like in the, our sports analogy or camping and outdoor mm-hmm. analogy. Yeah, but then whatever. how does that play over into into faith, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's absolutely. where we're going.